like when I was a sniper, we were also got Mark 12s, Mark 11s, and stuff like that. And you know, I used to carry it. And I just thought like there's so much to this because the ones that we had weren't perfect. And when I got back from my 20 uh, 10 deployment, I started building what the industry could give me at the time that was like what I thought would be the perfect version of that. And then I saw Mod H and I was like, oh shit, somebody ought to figure this out, right? Um, and so I, that was kind of my love affair with it because I could do, it was still a carbine, like I could fight with it, but then it was, it could do snipery things if I needed it to, right? And, you know, I, that's what I thought was awesome about the platform and its capability. So I think a couple of things have happened. One, we've been saying this for years, and there's a ton of podcasts we've been on over the years that we've been like, hey, if you're interested in precision, because precision kind of started to pick up like 2013, 2014 as PRS got popular. Uh, and for the first time ever, the industry saw ROI on the precision side of the house. Because for years, <laughs> I used to ask for stuff, and they'd be like, dude, there's 300 of you. You don't offer the ROI as a community for us to make things for you. I'm yeah. Like, All right, cool. I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the uh, as that took off, on this uh but we'll definitely get into your background a little bit a little bit more you should have told the juice story that's funny i mean like <laughs> that's i don't know are we are, can we get can you cancel a podcast <laughs> like i mean dude there's podcasts that that cover some pretty pretty wild shit that we like you would never believe that could get published now youtube's a whole different fucking story <laughs> YouTube, you can't even say like "gun" on anymore. Yeah, and, you know, I'm like the Mel Gibson of the gun industry. Well, they, like, yeah. they freaking canceled Kit Badger's channel, really, right before shot. They oh, banned fuck. a whole bunch of people from YouTube, and then now, like, oh, like the other day, I w- went back on, and his his channel was back up. Like, they turned it back on for him. I was talking to a couple of guys. They had like some weird, they got like strikes on like weird shit. Like they put a can on or they put a mag yeah. in or something. And it was like, yeah. that was like, uh, where, I don't know, where whatever. they draw the line assembly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the line's drawn in you know, pencil so they can keep erasing it. But yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely strange crazy. times we live in. Yeah. For sure. To, to have something that's the, literally the second, second largest search engine in the world mm. to have that such, so restricted, like, I mean, if you're building something or doing something and you run into a hard spot, where do you freaking go? Yeah, YouTube University. We were yeah. talking about it this weekend, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's a bunch of guys like, like I'll start the class normally with like, hey, man, what's your name? What's your level of experience with this thing that we're doing? What are your uh, what are your goals for the weekend? And inevitably somebody goes, well, I've read a lot of books and I've watched a lot of YouTube, which is can be a blessing and a curse <laughs> depending <laughs> on which channels they found, right? Um but like it, it, we would just joke. I'm like, dude, you can learn how to build a space shuttle on YouTube if you fucking Google it enough, right? But you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to, like you said, it's the second second largest search engine, which owned by the largest search engine, right? right? So it's like, you know, they're going to ask, you know, how do I do this? You know, the YouTube thing's always been <clears throat> something of a conundrum from from myself as an instructor, not because it's like giving away knowledge or anything, but like YouTube is, I mean, it's open source. Mm-hmm. So when you start putting stuff out there, you know, it's not just the like-minded people we see at classes and the students that come and guys that pass background checks and stuff like that. It's, you don't know who it is and it's, it's not, you know, necessarily, you know, segregated even to this country. Right. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of guys that are putting out a lot of stuff and I'm like, you know, I know you're trying to make a name for yourself, but you're also putting out a lot, a lot of info here that like, there's a reason like why SWAT teams don't wear body cameras. Right. It's because so like, they can't see it and learn the tactics and be able to prepare against it. And I see, unfortunately, a lot of guys like startups in the industry are trying to like put out so much information on these channels where they make it, um, so open source and not that it's not open source. Like you can go, I mean, you can download the army pub on CQB or whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, there's maybe a little bit lost in translation between, you know, finding that pub, reading that pub, understanding that pub or whatever. And, having some guy explain it to you, you know, CQB for dummies or shooting for dummies on YouTube, whatever the case may be. And I'll, you're like, ah, man, like maybe it's not that I want to restrict it in like that. It should be restricted from citizens in any way, shape or form. But like, 
It is ITAR controlled. It is. You I know, mean, like, <laughs> you're not allowed to train foreign nationals, you know? Right. So it's, um, it's one of those things you got to get, we have to get approval for that when we, when we work with foreign units, like we got to get approvals and for a reason, I mean, hilariously enough, like on the precision side, so like applied ballistics, which you can get, I mean, shit, there, every one of us probably has on our phone or, you know, your Kestrel or whatever. So technically ITAR considers that software the same as like missile guidance software. So you're not allowed to teach like snipers from other countries like how to use it without ITAR uh, approval, right? From the State Department and stuff like that. You got to use oh, like there's another another thing like Taxol, where it was originally the code was originally written in Chile for the software. It's the same fucking math. It's the same <laughs> algorithm, right? But simply because its root was out of this country versus applied ballistics in this country allows. And I, honestly, I don't think most people pay attention to it anyway. But you know. Like we have units that show up and like they got to be ITAR to like, you know, try not let a foreign national look through like, you know, Gen 3 night vision. Like they're issued panos, my brother. Like, <laughs> like they've got panos and end gals and you're over here like, oh man, don't let them look through it. I'm like, you gave it to them. You know, like, so it's, it's one of those things we got to work a lot of times with the manufacturers on the, on the side of that and be like, Hey, can you add us to your ITAR for these guys so they can work and, and do whatever? So oh, cool. Cool. Do you, you want to do the roll in or you want me to? Oh, I can, I can, I can hop. Okay. manage this one, I guess. Okay. We got a, a general yeah. subject, or we're just going to kind of... We're just going to... I mean, like, we already, we already got five minutes talking about YouTube, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, that's We're going to use that. That's we're going to use... I mean, that's that's it's going to be in there, and we're going to roll into it. Uh, Actually, we're not even going to cut. We're not even going to no, edit this just, conversation no, out. It's, <laughs> it's a good... No, like, our last conversation with you and, and Jared, you know, uh, thankfully, we you spoke more than Jared, so, I mean, it was a very popular... <laughs> podcast uh Hi, but, I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be sure make sure we record that part and text it down right yeah yeah but hey, it, we appreciate you coming up yeah, yeah absolutely for sure. thanks for having me i was in town i said chris was in class this weekend so he was like hey you should stop by the shop and yeah, obviously i got you know i don't fly out to later in the day so it worked out you know i could swing by here and, and come see the operation for the first time and yeah you know check stuff out so yeah it's cool i always try to do that like one of the other things I know this isn't like a retail shop, more of a distribution. We're in the back cave, so people know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, I do the same thing kind of everywhere I go. I try to find local shops or the shops that support the community in that area. I know you guys have a nationwide presence, but you know, you've got the BTO range right here, so you've got the local presence too. But there's places in other parts of the country, like down in St. Augustine, you know, got Neil down at, mm -hmm. at, you know, 2 AF and stuff like that. And so any place that has like these little hubs or that kind of, promote and support the community, whether it's hosting classes or, you know, putting out content or whatever, I always try to go down and support those businesses. Right. So whether I like source my ammo from there, you know, so I can fly in and pick the ammo up on the way in or, you know, on the way out by like, you know, a Glock mag or something, you know, cause you can't have enough. Right. right. So yep. you roll in and, and try to make sure that you're, you're supporting the things that are supported in the communities that for us as traveling instructors, we land in that community and that, you know, that's who are our customer base is. And so, without those sort of local or regional hubs, they just don't, those communities don't exist. And that's why there are pockets and communities around the country that are stronger than others. It comes yeah. from that in my experience anyway. Hi, I'm Chris from big techs ordinance and I'm Ian from big techs ordinance. <laughs> <laughs> and today we've got the weekly update. So first off, from Voltor is the classic Murr upper receivers, right? So we've got them in foliage green, black, standard black. Those were my picks. What do you got over there? Um, for Boomer? all for all the wheel gun enthusiasts out there, we've started carrying some some Safariland Comp Three and Comp Two speed loaders for J frames and K frames. So if you guys need a good speed loader. For all of your um, revolver needs, we got some. Uh, we have the new Streamlight Wedge XT also. These come in black and FDE. Great little task light. You know, drop your keys underneath the couch. You're looking for your burrito. Good little option from Streamlight. Comes with a little lanyard on it as well. Solid price point on those. I would I'll yep. have to reference the price point on USB -C those. USB-C rechargeable and it has a deep carry uh, pocket, pocket clip, clip on it. Yeah, so. option. Looks great. Coming up, there's a bunch of classes. We've got Paradox training. Oh, I'll be across yeah, the street at the, at the, at the range. range. Uh, doing that the 27th, not this weekend, but next weekend. 
Anyway, lots of training events coming up. We just also posted the Sons of Liberty. Oh, yeah, the Armors class. Armors class in May. It's up on the website. Anyway, thanks for watching. Be safe. Finger guns. But we appreciate you coming up. Man, I know it was two two hours in a, in the different direction. Then, well, kind of. You flying out of IH or you flying out of Hobby? You flying out of George Bush? George Bush. Okay, yeah. cool. So it's not too bad. There were yeah, at least it's <laughs> kind, a little bit over, yeah. a little bit past. Somebody yesterday was like, "Where are you flying out of?" Like Houston. They're like, "Which Houston?" Yeah, and I there's was like, two. <laughs> so funny story. The last time we were here for symposium, when we were waiting, we had to we had to kill a night in Houston to go back and pick up Jared's guns. So it was me, Jared, and Brokos. <laughs> And so we're like, we're out, like we go to dinner and we're hanging out. And then we're like, okay, well we need to get, um, like we're gonna get a hotel. And Jared's like, oh, cool. I'll get us a hotel by the airport. <laughs> well, he got us a hotel next to the wrong airport. <laughs> so we woke up in the morning. We're like, we're right here. Jared's like, we're, we're not right here. <laughs> so we had to drive over from, you know, wherever the fuck, you know, hobby is over to, to IH and, and, you know, deal with the saga of get Jared's guns. But it was pretty funny. We're like, up. Oh. Two airports, huh? Like, yeah. Missed it by that much. I just hear Jared's voice. Guys, I fucked up. <laughs> uh, it was funny. We were laughing, you know, because it was the three of us, you know, and then and then Stitch, you know, in tow. And so it was just like, what do you mean there's two airports? <laughs> but such is life. So I learned when, when I first moved to this area real quick, if somebody's like, hey, can you give me a ride to the airport? To first question is, mm-hmm. which airport? Which airport? Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah, there's the good one, and then there's the bad one. Yeah. Which one's which? Bush is the good one. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I'll <laughs> no. fly out of Hobby. Like, I don't give a shit, but, like, I haven't had beef there. I haven't had, I've flown out of Hobby in, like, probably a decade. Yeah, I haven't had, had to do that in a long time. So, yeah. Well, I guess we can do the intro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, let's, let's go do that. Maybe. Um, yeah, so welcome to the Big Text Ordinance Podcast. I'm Ike, joined by Chris, also Chris, and Alex from Ridgeline Defense. So thanks for coming on the show and uh, swinging by and yeah. And you brought some really nice weather. Yes. Gorgeous weather. So well, normally it doesn't go like that for us. So <laughs> normally wherever we go, uh, like I think the, my, two of my guys were down in Abilene last week uh, for a TTPOA class and they brought, you know, our shitty New Hampshire winter weather down to them. So it like snowed in Abilene and it's like cold yep. and rainy. And they're like, bro, it's been nice before you guys got here. And we're like, yeah, it's pretty standard. So, <laughs> but yeah, we couldn't ask for, for better weather for the class this weekend. Yeah, mid sixties, light wind. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> so never, never get that lucky, but we did this weekend. So, so for our listeners out there, if you will, uh, give us a little bit about of your background uh, what you did before Ridgeline, why you started Ridgeline. I know we didn't talk about that specific aspect last time and we, we didn't really dive deep into your, your background. So if you will. Yep. So I started off in the Marine Corps, um, you know, kind of grew up, you know, where I'm from, you know, kind of the Boston area, like Marine Corps is like pretty much what, you know, everybody does. There's a good army contingent to you, but for some reason, like South Boston and Marines or the South shore of Boston Marines seem to go hand in hand. Right. Actually. So like you guys, a lot of the, you know, I'm sure there's Marines in the audience, but everybody knows like Marine Corps is big about their balls every year. Right. And I, I'd never been to a, I think I went to one ball the whole time I was in the Marine Corps cause we were either deployed or at a school or, or whatever. And, uh, so there's a, a Marine Corps association, um, that runs this luncheon every year in Boston. My buddy's like, you got to come to this, you know, luncheon. And I'm like, man, I really didn't even go to the ball when I was in the core. Like, I'm probably not going to go. You know, I got, he's like, dude, trust me, you got to go. And he's like, we're meeting at the Irish in Quincy at, you know, 8 a.m. We're going to start drinking. I'm like, well, you had me at, we're meeting at the Irish at 8 a.m., right? So, <laughs> so we, uh, you know, we go there and, and you know, we kind of just, we get on the party bus and we're hitting like every, you know, like fraternal order of fire on the way in. We're hitting every, you know, VFW, whatever. We end up, you know, and I walk into the convention center and like, no shit. There's probably like 2,000, like, current former Marines, like all, you know, located, I mean, cocktail hours from like 11 to noon. Right. So you can see where this is headed. And, uh, you know, but I come to find out, dude, I mean, like the commandant comes to speak. Like, you know, I think last year, the last time I went, like general Dunford was like the keynote speaker. He just came off, you know, the chiefs, uh, joint chiefs of staff. So it's pretty wild how, how big the draw is. Right. So it's kind of regional that area. So it's, it's kind of unique. And then afterwards, everybody kind of descends down to seaport in Boston and proceeds to attempt to drink it dry, which I think we've successfully we've done on two occasions. Oh, uh, oh yeah. So, <laughs> it's pretty, it's a pretty wild event. So anyway, 
Yeah, I started off in the Marine Corps. Um, actually, started off kind of before that. I was going to college um, as uh, I had a Marine Corps uh, ROTC scholarship, and uh, but like you know, Iraq kicked off, and I was like, you know, Afghanistan happened, Iraq started happening, and I was like, <sighs> you know, I was a child, you know, born in the '80s, grew up in the '90s. All the wars that we'd had to that point were like. 96 hours in length. Right. So I was like, man, you know, if I miss this, it's going to be kind of a fucking shame. Um, you know, so I, I left and enlisted and, uh, now that was kind of it. Right. So I got there, you know, I went in as grunt and, uh, you know, started off in the line and then moved over to snipes. And, uh, you know, I just, I got super lucky when I went over to snipes that we had, um, just unbelievable platoon leadership at the time, both from experience guys that had done, you know, a bunch of the great early Iraq deployments. And then they had had all done schoolhouse time as instructors. And then they came back and they were all of our team leaders and, uh, and section leaders and stuff. And so the amount of like knowledge that they had from different places and having been instructors at different schoolhouses, whether that was called SOTG at the time, um, or the actual schoolhouse at Geiger or, um, over on the, on the West coast. And so they all kind of landed at ours. And those were my mentors from the jump. And so that's really kind of where I found, um, uh, it's the first time, like I, I joke with people like, like Marines are really proud about being Marines. I don't really care about being a Marine at all, but being a sniper was like the best thing ever. Right. I just like, I got sent to school and it was just like, for the first time ever, I was like, I have found like my full purpose in life. And that was, that was it. So, um, did a couple more deployments over there was ended up as chief scout. Um, and so kind of like my job was to be the subject matter expert in sniper operations for the battalion to advise, you know, the battalion commander on, on sniper operations, uh, as well as, you know, obviously the gunner, uh, and then, uh, to obviously design, to design selection, uh, and training of the platoon to get it ready. And then normally how we work in the Marine Corps on the conventional side is we kick out a section, sort of each company in direct support. And then we maintain a general support section that can kind of roam, free roam the battle space. And usually as chief scout, you get that, that GS, uh, that GS team. So that's kind of how it, uh, it laid out for, for me for that, that last deployment there. Uh, I got back. So I saw the writing on the wall and saw the Marine Corps was going to kind of like, your roadmap career wise as a sniper in the Marine Corps kind of ends at E5, unless you're one of the lucky few that kind of like somehow keep ratting your way back to a schoolhouse and then to a sniper platoon. But you're really at the mercy of the Marine Corps at that point. So if you don't kind of have a way to really kind of finite your, your path, you know, and so I just looking at the writing on the wall and kind of how the war was going at the time. And this is 2013 ish. So starting to draw down pretty hard. Um, I was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I want to get out and go to the army. Um, so kind of spent the last year kind of getting ready for that. In 2014, I, I, I crossed over uh, and while I was on terminal leave. It was kind of weird, but basically uh, <laughs> the business rules changed and they were like, you know, prior service E5 and above, like we don't need you anymore. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I got to go and tell the wife, you know, who's pregnant at the time with our firstborn that like, I don't have a job or a career anymore. Um, so that was it. So that's kind of how the training thing started by accident, right? I got, uh, I started going to school. I uh, put in uh, for some contract gigs. Um, I was just waiting on clearances and stuff and visas and all the stuff you got to do for that. And that's something that everybody, while they're in, they think like, oh yeah, I'll just get in the contract. I'm like, dude, you have like six months to a year, like from the time you are, you know, hired or, you know, conditionally offered until you can actually be deployable. Like you've got a ton of time, right? So uh, shooting was something that I kind of fell in love with, you know, in the Marine Corps, obviously on the sniper side, but, you know, at SOTG with a lot of pistol and carbine and everything else. And so kind of getting back to New England, ain't a whole hell of a lot of it to do. Right. Um, so I ended up just kind of bumping into some dudes and starting shooting and some guys asked me to come, Hey, like, would you come, you know, teach me guys and stuff like that. And, and I would, they're like, Hey man, you got a card. I was like, no, like you want my number. Um, so after enough guys asked me for a card, I'm a slow learner. You'll, I don't know if you guys pick up on that, but, uh, <laughs> enough guys asked for a card. I got cards made. And then enough guys asked like, where's your website? I'm like, so I called my buddy who worked in tech. I was like, how do I make a website? And so he's like, he's like, uh, what I, you know, whatever it was at the time. So I'm like, make it yourself like drag and drop bullshit. So that's where I started there. Um, and then I was, I kind of got in, um, on the, on the guard side into, um, a, uh, a unit over there and kind of stayed in it, uh, that way. But, you know, while I was waiting to go to selection, like, contracting with training and then I got picked up by some larger companies to teach for them and all of a sudden the ball just started rolling and it got to the point where we kind of hit climax and then I got a the opportunity to start Ridgeline which was originally going to be uh kind of like a a membership based facility if you will was sort of the original business plan um 
and I kind of jumped at that as I saw it as a way, you know, a lot of guys that contract will tell you like contracting is a great job, but it's not a very good career. Right. Um, and so looking to, to be able to build something that I could do for a while, I kind of chose to go, uh, and pursue that. And also it was weird. I was going to business school or not MBA business school, but I was studying business in my undergrad. Um, and it just kind of like made a lot of sense. So I decided to jump back into that. You know, it was funny that the university at the time had a veterans incubator for business plans and they were like, Hey, you should submit for this. I'm like, bro, I teach people to shoot guns. Like, There's not a business plan here. <laughs> like, you know, come on. Um, but when, once they had, you know, I sort of had the idea for, to start the range and stuff. I was like, well, there is an actual business plan there. And so that's kind of how we went back. And with that incubator, I got a lot of assistance from professional service providers and, and people who taught me a lot more than I was ever going to learn in that school. Uh, and so I, I like to joke, you know, to my partners and I'm like, you know, Hey guys, thanks for, thanks for this real world MBA you gave me. Um, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of how we started. And obviously we had some early hurdles and people have heard about that and read about that. And like, I think even recoil wrote a, uh, an article about it, but we were able to pivot. And then in 2018, uh, we were introduced to the guys over the team O'Neill rally school. Um, and for people that don't know, like team O'Neill has been around like last year, 2022 is our 25th anniversary. Oh wow! Um, they've been providing tactical mobility training, loose train service, uh, loose service train, uh, driving to the who's who of special operations and, you know, other government stuff for 25 years. Um, and they asked us the general manager at the time, who, who is now the, uh, majority owner and CEO of the company, uh, Chris Sear. Um, he actually offered, he observed some of the training that we did for them or, or in, in, um, with a relationship with them. And then he asked if we would come on board, you know, and build out ranges on their facility to, to start sort of backstopping the tactical side of the tactical mobility program for, for other contracts. Um, while we were kind of planning that there was another piece of property directly adjacent that became available that was already a range. Oh, wow. Uh, it was a cowboy action range. So it has like <laughs> the bank, the post office, the church, the barbershop, <laughs> the, you know, whatever, right. Saloon. <laughs> um, so we were able to actually uh, secure that property, take control of it January 1st, 2019. And like immediately went to work on kind of updating it to, um, what we needed to be, you know, for, to meet certain range criteria for contracts, right? So safety. So you guys know running the indoor range, right? There's certain, there's really, it's weird. There's no like building code in a lot of places for ranges, but there's like best practices, you know, it's kind of drives, it's kind of mind blowing. You know, you talk to insurance and they're like, yeah, like, yeah, we'll insure you. I'm like, you didn't even see it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah. So there's a lot of places or ranges that I'll go to around the country and I'm like, this this is what they let you guys get away with. You know, um, like I can looking over the berm, you know? um, like, man, there was one in, in another part in Texas we were at last year. And I'm like, literally, I'm like, you can see the tops of the heads of the shooters on the other side. I'm like, this is a problem, right? Um, somehow they got insurance, but yeah, so it, it's weird. So, but where are, um, certain entities that publish range criteria, most notably like DOE and stuff like that. And so we, we build everything during that sort of, renovation if you will to to match what those criteria are so we could be you know within parameters for safety for for contract stuff and you know uh 2020 hit with covid which is kind of a mixed blessing for us right because obviously like nobody could go train like dod was like everybody go home time out um civilians couldn't come you know for the most part ammo shortage was you know insane um and then like nobody could stay in a hotel and where we are we're only six miles away from from like a kind of what is the biggest town in the north country new hampshire but like can't stay in a hotel. Like, where are you, you going to stay? Right. Or Airbnb, like where are you going to stay? They hadn't figured that out yet early on, but it was kind of nice for us. Cause we're like, well, I don't have to figure out, um, scheduling. I can just bring <laughs> all the machines in and go to work now. So 2020 was like a double edged sword for us. And so we went ham for like six months in 2020 with machines. I was talking to Shocky about it yesterday. I'm like, things I never thought I'd know what it costs to fill an excavator. And he's yeah. like, right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So we were, we were commiserating and, you know, couple, you know, weirdos were like, oh yeah, man, do you see like the new, like the auto grading, like transom GPS guide? We're like, oh yeah, it's so cool. I'm like, in this conversation, I never thought I'd have. Right. So, um, you're going to Vegas twice a year for shot and then more of the concrete. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We got lucky actually. Actually, so I sent one of my guys over there to the World of Concrete convention while we were there. So uh, one of our guys, uh, Matt Amel, just retired after running. Uh, he was staff in CIC uh, for Sephardic over at Range 37 and kind of stood up their um, special purpose preaching course. And so he went over there, um, him and Blake, and started making friends, talking to some guys and getting some info on on some stuff for, for breaching through the, through the concrete. So oh. we, we kind of made the most out of that trip. So. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so we've got, you know, that's the, the kind of the part about Ridgeline that I talked about even in the intro is, you know, it started off as kind of my idea, but very quickly, I mean, like literally within like the first week of like, you know, started collecting this merry band of misfits. Right. So guys with incredible backgrounds you know, incredible amounts of deployments, uh, incredible amounts of experience and schools that they've all been to. And, and the unique part of how, how we've done stuff and how we've built our curriculum is it's not any one of us. It's like, you know, like Ridgeline isn't just like my tax ID, you know, like a lot of other guys in the industry where it's just one dude, cause they're kind of a one man band. We have this huge pool. I mean, we've got, I think like seven full-time instructors right now and they all come and we have a, a list of part-time guys a mile long that we can call for, you know, if we need to plus up on numbers for, you know, a contract or they have a, a particular special skill set, you know, that we don't really maintain internal because it's not something we need to provide all the time, but we know who we can call to bring them in to that stuff. And so we have this incredible body of knowledge between everybody and then we distill that down to the curriculum so like it might be it's not just how i learned it not just how you learned it not just how the school you went to learned uh, one of my mentors um dave harrington um he told me something very early on when he was mentoring me was like dude when you start teaching you know teach what you've learned not what you've been taught and I, mm -hmm. that was like super powerful and i was like you're on to something there and so as we've combined with all of these guys and their experiences and their schools and their deployments and everything and their good ideas and their way, you know, most of us are all trying to solve that problem in some way, shape or form. We could really just start to narrow down, you know, into what was allowed us to be successful as end users and how do we take all of that experience and figure out a way where we can hockey stick the learning curve to somebody that's coming into it. And so that's part of the Ridgeline thing that I really like is cause I get to learn so much from observing my guys, seeing my guys, new guys that come in, you know, and, and, you know, vice versa. And it's just this melting pot of everybody's trying to be better at this skill set and be better at delivering it to the clients. So, um, so yeah, we started that, <laughs> um, like I said, 2019, we landed there in, in New Hampshire and 2020, we went ham on, on trying to, to get stuff done before the, everybody opened back up and came back in. And then after 2020 it's just been kind of a, a a rocket ship um i think people were pent up coming out of the pandemic a little bit so um wanting to shoot ammo again so ammo was tight in 21 yeah and then 22 it kind of started to come back you know and so people were like they could get ammo they did want to train you know and so um on our open enrollment side you know that took that all of a sudden like just took off, you know, all of a sudden, all of our classes are sold out, you know, just, it's crazy. Um, the law enforcement side, same deal. And then all the places we have been going around the country that we started before we even had our, our location, you know, we just kept up those relationships with those hosts who are, who are awesome and have always helped us out and believed in us when nobody even knew who we were. Not that a lot of people do yet. Um, <laughs> but they, they would help and, and continue to help and push and fill classes. So like, you know, it's super cold back home right now. So I'm down here in Texas, right? So like, you know, we got a great host down here, uh, to the other guys were at Blakely, Georgia this weekend as well, teaching another scope carving course down there, uh, down in arena. So they were hosted down there. Um, you know, I think our next travel, we're out the door to Arizona, teach a full spectrum night vision course oh, nice. uh, for Scottsdale PD is hosting it. Um, they've locked on some awesome training venues for us. I think we got like a whole like mall or something that we do. Oh, yeah. So it's, oh, it's that's pretty nice. rad. So wow. yeah, it'll be, I think we're the last night is just like full mission profile. So it's going to be pretty rad. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of the once around the world of where I started, uh, how I got here and, and how kind of Ridgeline sort of came to be. How big's the shooting facilities at Ridgeline and how big is the driving facilities? <clears throat> So we're still, we are very much the kid brother, right? Um, so our facility is roughly 130 acres. Um, we've, we're really only developed. So we're in super mountainous terrain. We're right on the North edge of the white mountains. We're about 20 minutes or 20 miles, uh, as the crow flies from the summit of Mount Washington. Um, so the driving facility is I think 583 acres. So combined we're a little over 700 like contiguous acres. Uh, but it's really, it's cool cause we've got the terrain provides some unique shooting stuff for our long range side. So on our side of the street, as we kind of call it, there's like a, a class five, like dirt road that runs through the street, uh, that runs right through the, the, the two facilities. Um, on our side of the street, we kind of have like our more like urban sniper based range. So it's like zero to 600. There's a tower. We have hundreds of steel targets, all various sizes laid out. We've got five moving target systems. Uh, we're partnered with a company out of Vermont called MVP Robotics. They make 
what is, I think, the best moving target system on the planet called Hector. It's a robot. So if you guys are similar to like a marathon target, but think like a marathon target that was made by like Ivy League engineers. And it's crazy because they originally made it for a Dartmouth football team to be a tackling dummy oh. so that they would stop getting CTEs. And then the NFL saw it. And then NSW out West saw like the Rams with it. And we're like, can you make that with a target? And they're like, yeah, I don't see why not. <laughs> um, so the agility and the speed that this thing has is like otherworldly. I mean, it can run a 30 degree side slope with steel because of the auto gyro. I mean, I can set it up on a track and let it run for eight hours and it will run from the different waypoints. It can do different speeds and then it will recock and run the route again. And you can run a bunch of them at the same time and oh, you can have take manual control over them. If you really want to make students life hell, <laughs> um, then they've got multiple hit zones. So similar like an action target auto target where oh. you can see it's not just a hit, you know, on like an Ivan, they can be like, was that a center mass hit? Was that a fringe hit? Was that a pelvic hit? Was that a headshot? And it records all of your data. So for us as, as instructors, we can go back and look through all of it and figure out like, what was your time of engagement? Like, where are you struggling in terms of, you know, speed of the, um, speed of the mover, distance, of the mover, um, you know, angle, of the mover night, whatever. Um, so it's a ton of stuff there. So we work with them. So that's all on our side. That's and we've insane. Got, right. So it's pretty rad. So that's on our side of the street. And then across the street, the way that the, the the terrain lays out was if we have basically two intersecting valleys, kind of a generally gentle valley that runs east west, and then a much more severe alley that the the southern skid pad is in, uh, and that valley kind of creates like a bowl. So it's got two mountains and then kind of a saddle on the south end, and so all of the weather that's running up from you know, south to north up the east coast funnels through Franconia Notch and kind of lands in that valley from the south. And then it picks up wind coming off Washington doing its own thing. And then the jet stream, because we're far enough north to catch that coming out of southern Canada and the lakes, we got that coming west to east most days. And those collide in this terrain uh, and kind of like fishbowl. And so at different levels and then on different days and at different distances, the winds are all doing different stuff, left, right. Uh, you know, updraft. So it's pretty gnarly for the long range side. So we've got out to um, 1200 yards on those firing positions. And we do have a little over 2000 meter shot <laughs> as well that we can do over there. Um, but the rally school maintains six miles of their own road. Um, there's two skid pads. So I think both the skid pads and then our, our range one are, are all certified LZs and registered LZs with the air force. So we've got a lot of guys that flying in out on that. Um, and then the roads are all cool. So the guy who founded the rally school, Tim O'Neill, um, he was like the winningest American rally car driver of all time. I mean, that's where this school is where Ken Block and Travis Pastrana first learned to drive rally oh, cars. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, he's, he's, you know, one of sort of the godfathers of, of American rally, um, or rally in America and American rally car drivers. Um, and so when he built the school and he literally built it like, piece by piece by piece over 25 years every part of the track is not just built to utilize the terrain but it's built to illustrate a learning point so like each corner if you run it one way or run it the other way it's all teaching different stuff and replicating different things so you can take the technique that they're teaching and actually apply it in the scenario that they're being talked about. And then so you can start to understand how it works and all goes together so it's a super unique facility and that's kind of one of the parts for building Ridgeline was super um, beneficial for us more so than I even knew at the time was being able to observe how they had done things, hear the history and the lineage. And then, so when it came to building the facility or building the curriculum or building the staff, you know, I could literally look across the street for the model of how they did it in a way that's been super successful where they have full-time staff. So it's not 1099 guys that don't totally understand the curriculum or the facility or whatever. Uh, it's not, um, it wasn't just, Hey, we need roads. So they built roads, right? Like, yeah. you know, like it was, everything was done with a purpose to be able to illustrate or make the point physically of what they were teaching in the classroom and in the car. Um, and so having that as our, you know, role model, if you will, was unbelievably helpful. So that's kind of the really unique part about the, both our operations and then also the, the two you know, combined facilities. So like on the, on the outward facing side or forward facing side of the, to the clients, you know, it's one seamless playground. Uh, it's yeah. probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. I think if, if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, after you get done listening to this whole episode, go in and look at the driving school there and you will go down a rabbit hole <laughs> of videos and like, man, I've always wanted to do that. And 
uh, it, it's definitely on my bucket list. It, dude, it's honestly, so we up north where we have, you know, obviously we got snow and rain and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, my kids will go throughout school the second they turn 14. Just yeah. as like the car control. It's not about racing. It's about being able to control the car, understanding yeah. what it's doing, um, and being, being able to do it safely, you know, at speed and you can take it as far as you want, you know, obviously like look at, you know, Ken Block and Travis, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but you know, you can also just be like, well, now I know how to not crash in the rain, you know? So there's, there's, you know, both both sides of it too but yeah they have a huge youtube channel like they've got a ton of videos on theirs like instructional um so they have a lot of fun with it and there's a great group of guys over there too so we got super super lucky people always ask like how'd you pick there i'm like they kind of picked us (laughs) and that's where they were so yeah um that's kind of how it broke down that's fantastic looks looks really cool website's well done and YouTube channel is pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't do that website, so I remember I did the first one, the drag and drop. Yeah. We're, we're beyond that now. <laughs> graduated. <laughs> yeah, we've graduated a little bit. So, uh, you know, now I'm just kind of, you know, hey, can I get like this? And they're like, no. But it's the internet. We could probably do everything. They're like, if you want to pay for it, we can do it. But yeah, yeah that's about the, the extent of that. That's but, how it typically goes when it comes to web development. Would you say most of your stuff is contract at this point with that facility? Or is you kind of... What about, like? Yeah, I mean, I, we try to be, and this is another lesson that we learned from from the Raleigh School is you know never be you know just completely dependent on one you know stream of revenue as far as you know client base goes. Um, you know, also, I mean, New England. One of the whole reasons I started the idea of Ridgeline when it was just going to be arranged was because there wasn't any cool place to shoot up there, right? And so you know, it, it's kind of a shame to have this amazing infrastructure and then not let you know be like, oh, we only teach you know law enforcement, military. Yeah. It's like. No, man, like this has been an under for us up there, you know, and I'm going to put my, my beast coast regional hat on real quick, but like, it's a super underappreciated and underserved area of the country when it comes to the firearms industry, which is hilarious because the firearms industry in this country primarily, st- I mean, they've all left at this point, but they start with the, like, there's like SIG and like Q and like Ruger, um, and like Wyndham. Right. Um, but there's, uh, you know, everybody else has, has jumped ship. I think Colt maintains some corporate offices in Connecticut or something like that. But like Smith and Wesson just rolled out a mass. Um, you know, and they were kind of, I think maybe one of the last hold ons, you know, I think Troy left, you know, like everybody's gone. Right. Um, but it's been a very like underserved, overlooked part of the country for this industry for a long time. And so I like to you know be able to offer the classes at our facility to, to, you know, open enrollment, you know, otherwise it's just like, you know, we're not being stewards of the community at that point. You know, one of the things that I always have to look at from an industry side is we're not getting any more popular, right? Like we were just talking about the YouTube thing earlier, right? Like it seems like everybody is out to kill this industry in one way, shape or form. And to be able to have a positive influence or impact on my local community with students who are like, just maybe they might, we don't get too many like beginner beginners, you know, I don't know if that's people are scared or intimidated or whatever, but like normally we get the, you know, kind of our, our newer students, kind of that intermediate level shooter and then too advanced. Um, and so here's the opportunity to make sure that they have a really good feeling about guns and the industry and the hobby they've chosen, or like maybe they're just getting, they're just dabbling into it. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'll do too is there's classes or people that maybe aren't ready to jump in our classes. I have some guys locally that do like the more beginner entry level, like familiarization classes and stuff like that, who are great shoot. I mean, USPSA GMs and stuff like that, but they, they're chiefs of police or whatever. And they do these things on the side. And so I push them to guys that I know that are reputable to kind of get them ready to come and to be able to succeed in one of our classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's just an opportunity for them to, to, or for us to build that next generation and hopefully have an input. I mean, we do things like we hosted a lady seat event, you know, so we could get, you know, um, just more women shooters into it. You know, I, I'm under no aspiration. I think like it's going to become a women dominated industry. People talk about it all the time, but the reality is it's never going to happen. Right. Um, but working with apple seed, getting kids involved, you know, we just did a thing for, um, there was a local theater company who wanted a firearm safety class because they're handling, you know, prop guns. And they're like, I don't know what we don't know. We're like, they're locals. I'm like, yeah, man, come on up. We'll do a fam for you. We'll walk you through how to use your stuff. And it's being a good steward of yeah. the industry and the hobby to these people who maybe aren't as, I think sometimes we forget that we're not totally into it. He's out. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and he's back. <laughs> um, 
that aren't as into it as we are. You know, I think sometimes we forget about that. Yeah. So, you know, we're able to, to offer that to them. So, but yeah, I mean, try to make it a third, a third, a third across the board. It is what it is. Some years are different. Some, some years oh, yeah. Are yeah. <laughs> you and, know? and you've, I mean, we're 2020 was a wrap, right? So 2020 just really didn't happen for a lot of people, right? Literally, like you, you talked about it, you spent that whole time building the infrastructure, right? Building the ranges. So yeah, like you said, that you're, you're only three, four years old at this point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, we're, we're probably, so the company is probably six or seven years old, you know, from the mobile side up through in like okay. the first project. And then, you know, I talk about, you know, with us all the time, it's kind of like, we're, this is almost like year three for us or technically like year two. Cause like COVID was like, we started in 19, but like we were just starting, you know, on building our stuff and whatever. 20 was a wash. 21 was all ammo shortage. Yeah. And so it was like, yeah. you know, we're kind of like year three as far as like, you know, we, how we really look at our facility and the business and stuff like that. And I think a lot of on the law enforcement military side, I think there was a lot of people play catch up, right. Cause they had, they were either stuck in deployment stacks or whatever the case may be. They had to kind of catch up through that. Um, Ellie continues to be like, um, what we've seen, especially at BIOS is either they weren't allowed to travel out of state because of COVID restrictions. However long those restrictions went even after sort of it was over, so to speak. Um, and now there's manpower issues. Like they can't, a lot of departments don't have enough bodies, like the medium, small, medium sized departments. They just don't have enough bodies to put back on the road, you know, without covering down a huge overtime to send people anywhere. Cause they're, they're strapped for personnel as it yeah. is. So it's, it's a very unique thing working with them. So, um, on that, on that end. So it all kind of comes down to, like I said, we try to maintain to the best of our ability, third, a third and a third, but it works out. I, I don't want to hog the whole interview, but I got another question. Do you no, have no, anything? No, go ahead. Do this you is, have anything? These are good questions. Oh, I like watching some of your videos on your facility. How far are you guys able to stretch that out there now? Cause I've watched like some of the videos you can see from like the shanty town, like down the ranges and stuff. And then you go up the side of the mountain and then you have the, what is it? The mountain rifle class. Yep. So the mountain rifleman class goes out to about 1200. Um, and it, it, primarily works like kind of field firing type work, right? So we spend a lot of time on how winds interface or interact with terrain, um, angle shooting and how much it's really not that big of a deal. Uh, and just giving guys a process. I mean, that's 90, like we talked about all weekend mm -hmm. for you guys that don't know, Chris just came through a skill carving class. That I talked down at the ranch this weekend. 90% of what we try to do in the class is give people a process that they can take back to execute on their own. Cause I don't care what you can do with me, right? Like, Yes, I can, I can guide you to whatever you want to do in your two days, right? But the reality is I'm hoping to give you the answer to the question you're looking for when you came to the class. So you can go do it on your own and apply that to whatever it is that your, your endeavor is. Um, and so a lot of our stuff is, is developing a process and, and walking you through the process enough times that you understand it and can start to internalize it and get some of your personal ownership and tweak it to whatever your, it is that you're doing. Uh, and then in a way that's easy for you to go back and replicate until you do achieve mastery of, of it. Right. Cause I don't care who you are. You're not getting everything. You're not learning it and making it, you know, you're not a master of it in two days, but if you take it and you rep it out enough, next thing you, you could be a master at it if you put in the deliberate practice and time. But if you just don't know what to practice and you're practicing different things all the time, you're not really, you know, there's a lot of activity, but no real motion right? Yeah. Um, or progress, if you will. And so we try to make sure that we give you an easily um, replicable process that you can go back and do on your own. And you, if you do it enough times, you will gain that mastery. That's mo how most of our classes are built. So, um, so yeah, we got to, to 1200 in that. And then, like I said, we think of like, we've got a 2000 meter shot that we can do as well. Nice. So that's a long way. Yeah. It's a huck. It's a huck for sure. But what know. about elevation change? Like how much do y'all have like on that 1200 yard shot? How much? So the, Oh, I want to say we're like about 700 feet of elevation change between the bottom of the valley floor and the top of the mountain. Um, we're still in sea level. Like, so we, we are on the white mountains, but we're, I mean, we're not really super high up in like sort of the next atmosphere or anything like that. So we're, um, we're still at sea level, you know, that first 5,000 feet elevation, you know, um, MSL. Um, but yeah, I think about 700 vertical feet, um, five to 700. The roads have 500 vertical feet of elevation change from one side of the property to the other. But I think from the Valley floor to the top of it's like roughly 700, 750, something like that. Yeah. The ranch has what, about two feet. It's <laughs> yeah. high angle, bro. You gotta, you gotta really get that out yeah. and get that inclinometer. I, I think you got that wrong. They're sunk down. They're below <laughs> sea level. <up> there. <laughs> they were definitely were last week. 
when they had five inches of rain. They definitely were floating. Yeah, one day. Uh, so this might be just because of like what we sell, what we look at, and kind of like what we're all kind of been talking about, right? So like, you know, you're signed up for a DeFore class that you might not get to go to. Yeah, another scheduling conflict. Yeah, then we've got... Which I'm bummed out about. Yeah, uh, Justin's going to get to go. Yeah, Justin, so that's good for him. Worked out good for Justin. But then, but that's a scope carbine. Then we've got... Uh, Bruiser Industries coming in that we've got him doing a, a scope class. It just seems like is there more scope stuff currently on the market than there was say five to ten years ago? Because of I mean, like more people are getting into it, or is it because technology's there that you know everybody's running LPVOs or low magnification optics? Have you just or am I just making this up? No, is it, it's, you think- it's 100%. So, like, five years ago, like, I was the only – well, I think DeFore was still doing it, too, because he, I think he hybrids. And I haven't been to his class, so I don't want to put words in his mouth and, you know, whatever. But I think he hybrids. Like, you could run a bolt gun in his class. You can run a, a gas gun. Like, I think I've seen that on his socials, but I, I could be totally wrong and off base there. But there weren't a lot of us that were like – we started pushing scope carbine one because I love the platform, right? Like when I was a sniper, we were also got Mark 12s, Mark 11s and stuff like that. And, you know, I used to carry it and I just thought like, there's so much to this because the ones that we had weren't perfect. And when I got back from my 2010 deployment, I started building what the industry could give me at that time. That was like what I thought would be the perfect version of that. And then I saw mod H and I was like, Oh shit, somebody ought to figure this out. Right. Um, and so I, that was kind of my love affair with it. Cause I could do, it was still a carbine. Like I could fight with it, but then it was, it could do snipery things if I needed it to. Right. And you know, I, that's what I thought was awesome about the platform and its capability. So I think a couple of things have happened. One, we've been saying this for years. I mean, there's a ton of podcasts that we've been on over the years that we've been like, hey, if you're interested in precision, because precision kind of started to pick up like 2013, 2014 as PRS got popular. Uh, and for the first time ever, the industry saw ROI on the precision side of the house. Because for <laughs> years, I used to ask for stuff and they'd be like, dude, there's 300 of you. You don't offer the ROI as a community for us to make things for you. I'm yeah. Like, All right, cool. Like, I'll go fuck myself. Right? <laughs> um, but the... Uh, as that took off, so one, we had the optics revolution is what I call it. That started like that 13 to, I mean, even now to today, the optics that are coming out, the difference in erectors, um, you know, things are actually becoming, uh, price point. I mean, vortex kind of st- jumped out, which made magnified optics available to a lot of people that that probably had priced out of or been priced out of before outside of like a Tasco or a Nikon or something. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, whatever, even though some of the lower end vortexes do have a ton of, you know, issues and reliability, it's it is what it is. They're they're able to get in the door. Um but we push scope carbine as that gateway drug. So instead of jumping into a precision rifle for five grand and, you know, all this other stuff, you could take carbine you had, buy a hundred dollar Harris bipod and throw even just an entry level scope on it, feed a good ammo. And all of a sudden you can go and learn the lessons and apply them and then see if you like it and go from there. I also think that the way that like the training industry has matured. So I think a lot of people get into it with pistol because it's the most, it's the lowest barrier to entry for cost, right? Unless you're like got a chambers gun or something, but <laughs> that's usually not your first. Yeah. Uh, but then you get into the carbine side. Cause like you're a pistol shooter, like you're a shooter now. So you should have an AR, right? So you get into an AR, and I think there's maybe a certain point where if you are like a go fast guy and you get into USPSA and that sort of stuff and you're doing competition, then yeah, you're always chasing that next level of performance. Right. But I think for a lot of people that get into training, they'll do a bunch of classes. They'll go collect a bunch of certs. They'll hit a certain level of mm-hmm. skill and ability. And I'm like, all right, well, what else do I do? Like I go to a class and I learn how to do a reload again. Like you're like, eh, like <laughs> kind of got it, you know? Um, and so what I think about precision shooting as that, our group of demographic kind of matures and shooting precision offers never the same shot twice. I don't care if it's the same range on the same target, like environmentals are changing winds changing. Like, so it's a never ending learning process, which I think attracts a lot of people. And so that's, what's pulled it to. I also think there's a bit of, um, I'm totally going to bone out on the word right now, but like probably an opportunistic part, of instructors right now where they're like, they see that it's getting gaining in popularity. Oh, yeah. And so every Tom, Dick and Harry is trying to run just like when, you know, Jedi started off with red dots and like, you know, not that anybody, 
you know, not that he was the first dude running a red dot on a pistol, but when he started pushing it as a class, all of a sudden everybody's running a red dot pistol class. It was like oh, yeah. a thing. You started seeing a lot of those classes getting added. Right. added. You're like, well, what's the difference between that class and a regular pistol class? Well, like nothing except you learn how to zero the dot and, you know, you, you learn that the, you can do the same things with the dot, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that's not to say you shouldn't take a Jedi class. Like he's got the game genie Chico's on, on, you know, running a red dot. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you see a lot of opportunistic structures like, oh, red dots are doing really well. Like, I'll offer a red dot class and try to get some spillover, right? I think a lot of that's happening. So there's, you know, there's guys that have, I'm not saying you need to have a background to be able to teach it, but you know, I see a lot of guys where I'm like, you, I'll hear them talk. I'll see them say things on social media. And I'm like, bro, you are so young in your journey Mm -hmm. that you are just repeating stuff that's been repeated for years and you don't even know how much you don't know yet. And they're trying to be out there and teach stuff. And so I do see a lot of that right now. And it's, those about like Joe Dawson, like I talk to him all the time. Um, Mark Smith is another one that I talk to. Like, and we just laugh and we're like, "Bro, you are five to ten years and several thousand rounds, you know, you know, tens of thousands of rounds away from even being able to make up your own thoughts on this, let alone regurgitate what somebody else told you." And so that's, I think that's the big difference between guys that are that really get it and from like a professional end end user or competition side and, and sort of all those guys are just like, yeah, it's LPVO course. Like, what'd you do? We shot 50 yards, the LPVO, <laughs> like, yeah, eh, you know? Um, so yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely seen, you know, a resurgence or not necessarily a resurgence, but it's, um, it's an uptake an uptake. Yeah. And I, you know, some of that might be, you know, I, I don't want to go shoot a 2000 round, carbine class or a 1500 round carbine class in a weekend you know i'd rather put 500 rounds down range of meaningful you know there's only so much you can do standing at seven yards blasting a target with a heotech that's kind of where i'm at you know know, (laughs) yeah i've been doing that for you know years not not a ton of classes you know but like it's the same it's kind of the same thing over again you know going back to like 50 yards you know running a carbine course or doing a pistol course you know this is kind of like the next Next cool iteration. Yeah. yeah. Next, well, next I think it gives guys a lot of, like a, a level of understanding, like beyond more, because you just start understanding like ballistics and how things are affecting. And you start to understand, like, especially in the gas, like we talked about all weekend, yeah. the gun's telling you so much mm-hmm. when you're able to see it because you have an optic that's capable of telling you how the gun's behaving, what the gun's doing at such a finite level that you start to learn. And then when you take that and apply it back to other things, all of a sudden you're like, you have this kind of like, next level of knowledge of how stuff's happening. Right. And so I think there's something to that. I also think SPRs uh, precision is fun in general, but like SPRs to me, I think they're just fucking fun, dude. Like, so you've got, why do we love ARs? They're fun as shit to shoot, but now I can do that far fast from positions. You know, it's, they're just like, it's really hard to walk off one without a smile on your face. I think that's what a lot, why people are getting it is they're like, Dude, I didn't even know. Like, we had guys this weekend. They're like, and and I joke, dude, it's 2023 now, right? We've got a recipe that makes this shit easy. And like, mm-hmm. when you were at the symposium class, we talked about it, right? There's two things I tell every class. I can't wait to show you how hard this isn't. And then the other part is when it comes to going fast, like good enough is. Mm-hmm. And you know, well, a lot of these guys will come in and be like, oh man, I've never shot you know this gun beyond 100 yards, 50 yards, 200 yards, whatever the the limit of the range is. And like, we hit it 600. I'm like, yeah, you hit it 600 in th- like. So yesterday, the final event we were doing, I call it three and three. So you try to go from standing to prone and fire one shot, 300 yard target. The goal is to be in that three second window, right? And the reality is most guys are first time doing it. They're going to be, you know, four and a half to, you know, 11, 16 seconds, whatever the case may be. But it provides a benchmark of, of being able to take a snapshot. And like, you know, all of a sudden they see how fast they can go because they've, they've learned how to make it go. And they're like, this is awesome. Now I can push this for speed, right? Like uh, Chris was out. So I think he went shot for shot from standing supported on targets of varying sizes from zero to 600 yards, yeah. like yesterday afternoon, like with a 14.5. Was that, that was a hot jumper? That was a 16, 16 inch, yeah. 16 inch hot oh, jumper. A, okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And he was like, he was like, just, Hey, Chris, target three, bang, Chris, like blue seven, bang. You know, like it just, it was what it was. And I think there's a ton of fun in that because, like, here in steel, hit a distance. Like, oh, like yeah. oh, everybody yeah. loves that. Yeah. But then to do it on something that recoils lightly, that's 
just fun to shoot in general. That's super familiar. Like it's really hard to do it, not have a good time and then be like, yeah, I want to go back and do other stuff. It's, you know, and then we do run a short range. So like the part that you didn't get in the one day symposium class that we do in the, in the two day and the five day classes, we do run short range marksmanship packages with it. So you're going to run that SPR like a fighting rifle oh, nice. up close because there is it's same, same, but different, right? There's just more weight at the end, depending on your setup. It might be longer. You know, a lot of guys will throw the offset red dots on their guns. And like we talked about in the last podcast, yeah. like either they don't use it or they don't understand like, okay, like this setup really briefed well, but I didn't understand the height over bore issue that this has up close, right? With yeah. my 12 o'clock on certain mount heights and whatever, what have you. And so really what it is, it's not meant to be like a, a substitute for a close range carbine class. It's meant to just be like, take this, run it through its paces and see if your setup stacks up where you hoped it did mm-hmm. and then gain that proficiency. So now it's not just your zero to, to, or, you know, zero to 600, but you zero to hundred, go to six. It's you've done it. You might make some changes, you know, like red dot appreciation for Chris. Oh, Cause yeah. you didn't have the offset red dot on his blaster oh, yet. Um, uh, that hurt. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, Oh man, yeah, that's a really good idea. I see why you said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, and it helps guys shake out their kit to, yeah. you know, um, pro like where they're putting stuff like lurfs, how they're managing their data. Um, you know, so they just kind of become more well-rounded with the, the system and the platform. And so that that's, I think to answer your question, yeah, it's a combination of a lot of things. I think the industry has made it way more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, the rack grade carbine is so good now. Yeah. Like that you really can feed a good ammo and get insane level. I mean, you're talking like factory precision rifle level performance from 10 years ago. You can get out of a rack grade AR today. The optics have become more available and more affordable. Um, I think the maturity of shooters, uh, and then to some point, you know, obviously just the fun it is. And then the last part, you know, sort of the, the, the con is that opportunistic part of the industry that's trying to seek or jump on people that are, you know, precision curious as we call it. I know from like my perspective, like a lot of dudes that I see, like they'll come into the scope carbine because uh, they can use that more every day than they can like standard rifle use. Because like me or Daryl or somebody from the class, like we'll go out and we'll murder yotes and pigs. And oh, was Daryl there? Yeah, Daryl yeah. was oh, out nice. there. Yeah, high, high yeah. shooter. <laughs> yeah, high shooter. <laughs> fucking rifle and gas, dude. Yeah, his uh, his setup was. Chef's kiss. <laughs> it was nice. So, so. But like, we'll go out and like go to the class, go out hunting now. Like, oh, look, the motherfucker's out there at like 850. <laughs> He's dead now. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and so for that, especially for down here, you know, where you guys have wide open, it's like up north, we don't have the wide open space like you guys don't have, have, have down here. So like hunting in New England is like 35 to 70 yards. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, again, I think it's, you know, I don't think it's super, like, I won't say it's super practical in the like defensive, like conus type domestic defense for your average civilian, right? It's pretty hard to justify that. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's a level of understanding. It's fun on the professional end user side. There's a lot that it offers domestic law enforcement. And like, I'm just going to make sure that everybody hears me now. I'm not saying every cop needs an LPVO equipped gun. In fact, I'm in the opposite camp. I would be a lot more selective on who gets them, but I think that it does offer the right rollout or the right program. It offers a huge leg up and benefit, uh, if done correctly. Um, so I, I, again, I think it's just, I don't know, like I said, man, I came back from Afghanistan in 2010, hadn't run, haven't carried a Mark 12 as one of the guns that I had, you know, Mark 12, Mark 11, M48.5, you know, M107. And I was like, dude, this gun fucks. <laughs> you know? It was like, I, I, I want to, I want to change this shit out to how I think it would be best suited, but I love this thing. And that's where the love affair started. And then the industry just kept giving me better and better options. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. That's really cool. You mentioned something and I'm going to bring this up and I can go back and edit this out. If it's not time to talk about it yet, you're doing a com- combined class with Mark Smith, right? Are you, I'm not, do, um, uh, I don't think Mark and I have not figured out to do a combined class that we are, uh, we're sponsoring his, uh, competition. He's got going on in November oh, yep. down, in, down in Texas. Right. Right. That's the or, one I'm talking about here, yeah. here, here in Texas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where am I? Uh, um, yeah. Right. Um, so we're, 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 uh, when he put that out, I pinged him. I was like, Hey bro, what can we do to help? Um, cause you know, Mark and I see eye to eye on a lot of stuff with, with shooting. He, he comes from super high performance pistol background, kind of got into the rifle side of stuff. And, um, 
you know, we talk a lot and he's one, he's a phenomenal human being, um, super approachable guy, super knowledgeable guy. And he's always trying to learn more. Um, mm-hmm. and so he and I bounce ideas back and forth and, um, so as soon as he said he was doing it, I was like, Hey man, how can we help? Right. And so, uh, we jumped in to help out with that. Um, combined class we do have a combined class coming up with uh you know the bash brothers uh me dan and jared (laughs) which is going to be uh pretty rad up at our place here in september um so it's three days and it's kind of unique and sort of like instead of like a a large event style format where it's like four to eight hour classes that you like cycle through our format is each day is one of us is the lead and then the other two of us are AIing for them so each of us kind of take whatever the thing that we decided on to push and and kind of that focuses so like friday It'll be Jared is uh, the lead doing pistol work um, with me and me and Dan AI for him. And Saturday it's Dan uh, doing his urban gunfighter piece with me and Jared AI for him. And then Sunday we're going to do, it's kind of like a hybrid, but it's going to be like taking the urban gunfighter stuff because we have the props and the facilities to do it. And then adding it into, you know, that intermediate distance. So by the end of the three days, you know, it's you now probably a zero to 400 level capability. And what I've been telling students that are, that are signed up is I'm like, do don't come with guns like golf clubs, like pick the one rifle, maybe bring a spare or whatever, but pick the one rifle that you're like, this is my go-to yeah. shoot the whole three days with it, the same pistol, the whole three days, whatever. Um, so you're like, you can see what that thing, you know, can do weapon optic ambo, uh, combination, you know, uh, out to those, that intermediate distance and, and have fun with it. And then obviously, you know, uh, there'll be festivities, uh, in the evenings, um, <laughs> libations. yeah, libations, um, trying to work that Miller light sponsorship right now. But, um, yeah, so that one's going to be, be pretty fun. I mean, me and Joe Dawson from Bruiser, we've talked about trying to do, a. a a combo class as well at some point, but you know, right now it's just a matter of scheduling. Like we're, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a 2024 class. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're working on that one. An- another one with that yeah. too. Yeah. But yeah, I talked to Mark. I mean, like I literally texted Mark this morning and he was, he's texting me back and forth. Uh, but we're on board for sponsorship for the November class. We will be sending people up there. Um, uh, I'm sorry. That's right. Cause he's, the way that that November deal is going down is he's running a class and then the final day of the class is a competition that's opened up not only to the members yeah. of the class, but also to anybody else that wants to shoot the comp. So, oh, nice. um, apologies. That's why I was, you're good. I was thinking of the final day. I forgot about the first two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of how that one's going to break. Really down. interesting. Really I think is. it's going to be fun. Well, yeah, he was telling me he got the idea from another guy that does it on sort of like the pistol side. And he was oh. like, well, Hey, I want to kind of replicate this. Yeah for for this this rifle class and i'm like hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, so. it sounds like a really good good idea that he's going to be able to do with that and i've done a class before uh way back in the day when i was still still in to where it was a two-day class and on the second day at the same facilities there was a uspsa match and so you would run the day prior you would run class with the instructor and then day two, you shot the match in the instructor's squad, and he had nothing to do with the match. Right. So you didn't. You weren't like pre-shooting all the stages. No, but your instructor got to help you stage plan, right. Diagnose, right. After action, it real time. And then after that, after the match, you would go back through and do walkthroughs of every stage, and be like, okay, this is why I moved from point A to C instead of from point A to B to C. Right. And so that was really cool. And and me and Mark talked about that and and being able to take that class with rifle and pistol and do it from that with his experience and his level of instruction. It's going to be a phenomenal. phenomenal I think it's going to be cool, too, because Mark comes with a ton of match experience, too. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, to be then a, a, you know, match director for that day, you know, whether he's calling himself that or not, like, sorry, bro, that's what he's going to be. Right. Um, (laughs) But he like he's probably been on the receiving end of a bunch of good matches, probably mm-hmm. on the receiving end of a bunch of bad matches. And so he's going to get to put together a match that I think is going to be super fun. Um, it's challenging, but you know, obviously achievable, uh, but in a way where it will backstop a lot of the lessons learned in the class. So I think it's, I think it's going to be cool. So we'll, we'll be here for sure. Um, hanging out, having a good time, cutting up, hopefully shooting maybe if I'm lucky enough, but um, yeah. So, and we'll drop links down below in the description on the website and everything to uh, your website, the classes that you've talked about this match. I don't know if it's up yet for Mark Smith, but the Brokos and Reston class is up on your website currently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's, uh, it's like coming up on like 75, 80% filled already. Oh, wow. So it's, um, 
yeah, it's it's gonna be a good time. People like kind of jumped into it, you know, right away. Like, um, y'all know Jordan, so like yeah. I think I, like I hit posts and it was like before I, the first like came on Instagram, it was like sale Jordan. So I was like, ah, oh, apparently he's waiting for that. So um, yeah, he, I think he was the first man in. So he's, he's student serial number number one. Uh, but yeah, that's that's gonna be a fun time. I'm looking forward to that one. It's gonna be perfect time in New England too. Like like mid September, like. We not too cold, to, not too hot. So. Might have to go in there and not break up. Not that negative sixty-four. You know, yesterday or Saturday was negative one hundred and eight at Mount Washington. Um, I'm really glad I was down here. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go break out the company credit card here in a minute. Yeah, I know. I was yeah, kind if, of thinking the same. If thing. you guys need to send a representative, I'm down. <laughs> you know. like, for sure. For he's got sure. a shoot in just a cape. Like looks like a banner. It says Big Tech on it the whole time. <laughs> I will do that with my Lorax patch. So we're, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we're work, That's in the works currently. That that's already been sent off to, for art. Nice, the nice. art department. It's got international appeal. It translates really nicely. <laughs> Dude, so where where can people find you? Uh, so the website's probably the best place. Uh, RidgelineShooting.com has got all of our their calendars, classes, class descriptions, everything you need to get on there. Um, on on the gram, it's like Ridgeline Defense. Um, if you just Google Ridgeline, it's like us and the car. So like, <laughs> you, you know, you'll, you'll figure it yeah. out. Um, and then yeah, Facebook, if anybody even goes on that anymore, um, I mean, Ridgeline, uh, Ridgeline training center, um, same on YouTube Ridgeline. But like I said, we're, you Google Ridgeline and anything related to firearms. There's like one shitty Chinese target company, <laughs> like the Honda car and us. So, um, you'll find it. Nice. That's fantastic. We appreciate you coming up. Well, thanks for having me guys. Um, Once again, down in Texas. I think we're going to be in Texas like five or six times this year. So we're just, we're moving in. Keep, <laughs> keep us on your schedule, man. We're, we're here for sure. So for come sure. by when you, we enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank y'all for watching. Um, yeah. Go check out all this stuff and like subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, we really appreciate all the support and y'all checking in every week and listening to us, but I guess we will see y'all next time. Thanks. Thanks.